Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Acts chapter 20. And Paul says in verse 20, I did not cower to give you anything that was profitable. He said, I gave my life for these people that they might understand that the doctrine that they've held to is false. And if you have a family member that gets caught up in a cult, you praise God for teachers like that who've written books on these subjects and spent their life to try to keep people on track with the true Christ. Paul says, I was solemnly testifying 21 to both Jews and Gentiles or Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God, toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, everywhere he went, repentance and faith, repentance and faith. If you want to know the biblical model for evangelism, here's what it is. You tell people you need to repent of your sin, which means you're going this way away from God, you got to do a 180 and come back, change your mind and your direction, and come to God through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the biblical model, and that's how we get saved. We repent of our sin, and we trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Paul says now, Behold, bound in, bound in spirit, lowercase in the NAS, uh, capitalized in, in the NIV and others, compelled by the Spirit. This would be the Holy Spirit. You can go both ways, but I think it was within Paul, and I think the Holy Spirit was also compelling him. He said, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies, 23, to me in every city, over and over again is the implication saying that bonds or chains and afflictions or tribulations await me. Lord, I need a word from you. What's ahead for me? Bonds and afflictions. What's ahead for me, Lord? Give me a word. I need a word. Bonds and afflictions await you. But he says, but none of these things, New King James, move me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, in order that I may finish my course or my race with joy in New King James and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And I asked a few weeks ago, what is it going to take to move you? If you have a race to run and God has marked out that path for you, what's it going to take? And Paul said, look, even if my life is on the line, this is not going to move me off the path. I've decided that I'm going to finish my race. And I pray that we will finish ours strong as well. And now behold, I know that all of you, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, will see my face no more. Can you imagine? I, I think you could have heard a pin drop. I think people were going, what? What? You're not going to see my face again. This, this same commitment was beautifully evident in the life of James Calvert, a young pioneer and missionary to the cannibals of the Fiji Islands. If you heard cannibal in your prayers, go preach to the cannibals. Wouldn't you look for multiple confirmation? Lord, is that really the who? The cannibals? In route, the ship captain, a humane man, tried to dissuade Calvert. Finally, the captain cried in desperation, you will lose your life and the lives of those with you if you go down to those savages. 
And Calvert calmly replied, we died before we ever got here. And I'll tell you what, that is humbling. To hear a man say, look, I've died to myself. If I, if I lose my life here, I will gain it back. Surely in the end, Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And so, you know what? Living our lives on the path that God has called us to is the most important thing. Verse 26 says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of how many? Of all men. I don't know if I could say that. Now Paul is using watchmen on the wall imagery back in Ezekiel 33. You can write down verses 1 through 9. You can see the image there. A watchman's job was he had a a trumpet or a horn and when an invading army was going to threaten the city for which he was a watchman on the, the, the walls to guard the city, his job was to blow a warning blast. And if he blew the warning when the invading army was coming, if the people of the city didn't heed the warning, their blood was on their own hands or on their own heads. But if he saw the invading army come and he dropped his horn and packed it up and exited stage left, God says, their blood, the people of that city, is on your head. And in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul takes the watchman on the wall imagery and says, I'm like a watchman, and guess what, Ephesian elders? So are you. I'm innocent of the blood of all men, but now I'm telling you, I'm leaving, the ball is yours. The baton is yours. Now you run. But I'll tell you what I can say. I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Now, if we lived our lives in that light, that whenever we had a platform, and I'm not saying to be obnoxious, I'm not saying to overwhelm people, to pound them over the head with your biggest family Bible you could imagine that you have, but I am saying that when God opens a door, We need to preach. I was in a situation a couple years back, I shared it with some of you, where one of our racquetball buddies died. He was 50 years old, great shape, great competitor, and he was playing uh, paintball on his front yard and dropped, had a massive heart attack. There was even an emergency room doctor right there, one of his friends or family members, and couldn't revive him. And he was gone. And I, and I started thinking back to, of all the times I played racquetball with this guy, did I ever share the gospel with him? And I did. And this gentleman was a kind of a, he had a gruff exterior, but he was a really good guy. He reminded me of like an old Roman soldier, that kind of tough guy. One day I sat him down and I shared the gospel with him. And he never talked like this, but he said, Michael, that's beautiful, after I finished. I don't know what he did with the gospel, but I shared it with him. So, All of a sudden, I was the preacher in the racquetball group, so they said, oh, let's get the preacher to help with the memorial service. And I was more than willing. But then I heard through the family members that certain family members, prominent ones, did not want the gospel to be preached at his memorial service. And I was devastated. I was like, what? What what else would I say to these people If our friend has just died, if I can't give him the hope of heaven and the hope of the gospel, what am I going to do? Oh, hi. uh, We played racquetball together and we're sure going to miss him. And 
what would I say? I said, I can't do that. I can't do anything but share. So I told the family that I shared with him one day, and one of the family members said, you know what? No matter what's going on, we want you to be there. We want you to speak. So they held this memorial service in a backyard. It was overseen by the attorney, one, uh, an attorney in the family. And he was calling people up and everybody was sharing. And it was obvious that there was talk about this conflict and whether the gospel should be preached and the preacher. And so I finally walked out. They had this kind of on an elevated thing above the pool. And I whispered in the attorney's ear, I'm the preacher. And he went, oh, so he looked at the family members, and the family members nodded like, it's okay, he can speak. And so I got some counsel from a pastor friend of mine who said, look, you've got to preach, so just tell them the story of what, well, how you shared with them and how he responded. And while you're telling the story, then tell them what you told them. So I said, well, one day after racquetball, I, went, I played racquetball with this fellow, and, and I want to tell you that one day after the game, I, I, we sat down, and, and, I, and I shared the gospel with him, and I told him that Jesus Christ, and I began to preach the gospel. And you can see the attorney, he got up a couple of times, and then it's like the Holy Spirit pulled him back down, because he got up, and I just kept preaching. And he got up again, and back down, I don't know if someone was pulling on his shirt, if the Spirit of God just kept him. Anyway, so I preached the gospel. And I had person after person coming up to me and saying, we heard about what was going on and, and we were praying for you. We're Christians and we live up in Big Bear and we heard and my husband and I were talking and I said to my husband, oh, he's got to preach the gospel. That's what pastors do. And my husband said, I don't know if you should preach the gospel because some of these family members are going to get really upset. He got to preach the gospel. He will preach the gospel. And this was the talk of the whole thing. And what I didn't realize was all these people knew what was going on. They were praying for me. And then one after the other, they started coming up to me and saying, thank you. Thank you. And when I was walking in there, I felt all alone. I felt like Daniel in the lion's den. Okay, here's the preacher. (laughs) Mary had a little lamb. And sometimes, I, frankly, as a human being, I go, Lord, why did you pick me to do stuff like this? This is not what I imagined being a... I thought being a pastor, you just get to preach from a podium for 45 minutes. You play golf the rest of the week. What in the world have you called me to? But one day, I want to be innocent of the blood of all men. A group of servicemen asked their new chaplain if he believed in a real hell for lost sinners... He smiled and told them that he did not. Then you are wasting your time, the men replied. If there is no hell, we don't need you. And if there is a hell, you are leading us astray. Either way, we are better off without you. We don't need religious phonyism. You know, look, the bottom line is the one who gave us most of our doctrine about hell is Jesus. And Paul says, look, I'm innocent of these people's blood. If it didn't matter, if if people can just get to heaven any old way, then why is Paul using watchman on the wall language? Talking about people's blood being upon their heads or his. Look, it is incumbent upon the man of God, the shepherd and, and the woman of God, I would say as well, to be faithful, to be faithful. It is required of a steward that he be found faithful. So Paul goes on and he says, be on guard. Keep watch over yourselves. You've got to start with yourself. It's your own walk first. You can't give to anybody what you yourself don't possess. 
Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The word overseer is episkopos in Greek where we get episcopalian. It has the idea of a bishop or one who oversees the church to shepherd the church of God. The word shepherd is poimeno. It's the word for shepherd or pastor which he, that's Jesus, purchased with his own blood. I want you to see two important things in verse 28. Number one, notice that the word uh, overseer, episkopoi here, it's plural, and then shepherd are two key words for leadership in the church. And earlier in verse 17, we're told that he called for who? The elders of the church, the presbyteros, the mature men leading the congregation. But now the same group of men are called overseers, episkopoi, I think it is there, and poimeno, which is shepherds who guide the flock to green pastures and feed them. And commentators have said rightly that these are interchangeable terms so that an elder has the same role as a pastor and a pastor has the same role as an elder to feed the church, but notice in verse 28, to protect the flock from what? From false doctrine. And the best way I can protect the flock from false doctrine is to teach them true doctrine. Amen? Amen. Because if you see some person, you know, uh, spewing heresy and you've been trained in the word of God, guess what you're going to say? Oh, that's nonsense. I know that Acts so-and-so and and 1 Corinthians teaches this. I don't know where that guy came from. And right away, whoop, whoop, whoop. Right? The warning signals go off. And you're equipped to know when the wolf's coming in sheep's clothing, even if he has his little hood on and he's going, <laughs> you're going to know. Why? Because you know that Bible verse. You know the context of those verses. That's not what that's teaching. And you could say, that's phony. I'm going somewhere where they teach sound doctrine. You see, be on guard. Notice that all three members of the Trinity are involved in church leadership. The Holy Spirit makes men overseers to shepherd the church of God, think of God the Father, which Jesus purchased with what? His own blood. There's the triune God. There's the Trinity. All three members of the Trinity are very interested in their flock and said to shepherds, take care of my people. That's a pretty high calling. That's a pretty noble calling. And Jeremiah 3.15 says, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you on knowledge and understanding. That's Jeremiah 3.15. And write down Micah 5.4, a great messianic prophecy. Speaking of Jesus, it says, And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, And they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. And Revelation 7.17 says he will lead us to those streams of living water. He will cover us in his tabernacle. We will follow our shepherd literally one day to green pastures, quiet waters, in a new Jerusalem, a new place. Amen? Amen. Colors, I think, that are going to be more than we've ever seen before. I want to show you one more passage, 1 Peter 5. Peter's writing here. And remember, Peter had that debacle in his own personal life where he denied the Lord three times. He tried to take up the sword to protect Jesus, 1 Peter 5, in the garden. And then, of course, he denied him three times. And 
Jesus post-resurrection is on the beach. They've caught nothing. He's prepared breakfast for them. Peter's sitting at the fire, same charcoal fire that he experienced when he denied the Lord. And the Lord looked at him and said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, then feed, do you remember? My sheep. He said a second time to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know. You know that I love you. You know everything. Then feed my lambs. Peter, you failed, but this is what you're going to be. Take care of her. I died for her. I shed my blood for her. Now you're going to take care of her. And he said to Peter a third time, and it grieved Peter that he said it a third time, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then tend or feed my lambs. I'm leaving, Peter. This is your job now. And it applies to a New Testament church in right now in this year. The same application. Take care of her. I shed my blood for her. And Peter writes these words. Therefore, 1 Peter 5.1, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, praise God, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge. Peter le- learned that from Jesus, but proving to be examples to the flock, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. It won't spoil. It won't fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. And the beauty of it is as we shepherd faithfully, whatever God has put you over, there's going to be an unfading crown of glory. Now let's go back to Acts 20 and we'll wind it down. Acts 20, 29. Paul says these words, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. I have to tell you, boys, this is what's going to happen. Wolves are coming. In 1 Timothy, read it on your own time. 2 Timothy, addressed to to Timothy who had pastored the church of Ephesus. Savage wolves came in five years later, maybe even earlier. Ten years later, teaching false doctrine from within. They're savage wolves and they're not going to spare the flock. And one writer said, you know how you know a wolf? See if you see sheep carcasses in his wake. That's how you know a wolf. They don't care about the sheep. They just want to take what they want to take. And from among your own selves, from within is the idea, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away Make the sheep wander away, if you will, the disciples after them. You could look at 2 Peter 2, 1, Jude, verses 3 and 4. They crept in unnoticed. They denied Jesus Christ who bought them. Therefore, in light of this truth that they are coming, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish you, to admonish each one with tears. Do you think Paul is a little passionate about what he was saying? They're coming Guard the church. Take care of the church. He said it over and over. After, over a, they probably got sick of it. And then he called them one more time and he said, oh, by the way, remember what I said to you? 
Guard the church with tears in his eyes. He knew what was at stake. People say, well, we shouldn't be arguing about doctrine. Oh, come on. What, wait a minute. Have you read the New Testament? It's filled with warnings about these things. Paul says, look, this is the idea. One writer says, vigilance is ever the price of liberty. If you want to be free, you must be vigilant. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. His word of grace is what builds us up, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified or set apart. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard, in this manner you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said these things, the normal posture for prayer was standing for Jews, but he knelt down, very passionate, um, emotional moment, and he prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him. I think each person probably crying on his shoulder, kissing him again and again after they had prayed, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they should see his face no more. And they were accompanying him to the ship. And the good shepherd, our shepherd Jesus Christ, is the one who is with us. And even though he's gone to heaven, he will be with us and take us home safely to his heavenly kingdom and I want to leave you with a benediction. It says, Now the God of peace, Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for the hope of the gospel. We thank you for the call to shepherd the sheep. It is a noble call. I believe it's the highest calling on the planet. And thank you for godly men in this fellowship who lead well. We need your strength and we need your heart. Lord, we lift up churches in Southern California in our own city of Corona and all over the planet, keep your shepherds strong. Keep them after your own heart. We need a revival in the church, Lord. We need to get back to the full counsel of God. And I pray that you would help us to do that with passion and compassion. But to recapture the noble and high calling that we're taking care of your church until you come. You purchase that church with your blood and each saint here, each sheep is precious to you. And I pray for them, Lord. I pray over them that you would keep them and guard them and watch over their souls. You are the shepherd and guardian of our souls and we're so appreciative. Thank you that you give us the grace when we fall short to be what you've called us to be. Just keep your heart and head bowed. If you don't know the shepherd yet, get to know him. 
Ask him into your life. You don't have to have perfect words, but tell him, Lord, I repent. Say it right now if it's you. I believe you died on the cross and shed your blood for me. I believe in your resurrection. Save me, Lord. Make me your child. If you've been a straying sheep, get back close to him. Father, help those who have been straying to cozy up again in a close relationship with you. Bless this wonderful congregation with continued passion for your gospel. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. If you've not met Jesus, maybe a savage wolf got to you. Maybe you embraced a false doctrine. Maybe you were deceived and now you're realizing, man, I've, I followed a lie. But now you've been confronted with the truth and you know who the true Christ is. And you know that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And you know there's no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Now's the time, my friend. Reach out to him because he's not far from you. He's a prayer away. And just say, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to be used by you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that you shed your blood for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead, and I trust you. I repent of my sin, and I place my faith in you and you alone. Save me. Change me from the inside out. If you've prayed that prayer, we'd like to know. Send us an email. Reach out to us through the contact form at livingtruthradio.org. Just go to the church uh, contact and uh, you can send us a message through the website. We'd also appreciate your prayers, and if you can give, we'd deeply appreciate that. Radio Time is not free, and so if you can help us out, you can also give through our website. Start off at uh, livingtruthradio.org, and then just go to the church homepage, and you'll, you'll make your way to a place where you can give on that site. We appreciate it. God bless you, and we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Michael, and I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. And, you know, when we're doing radio, folks, um, it's a little hard to tell who's listening. And we'd like to be able to uh, hear from our listening audience. And we're not asking for anything other than just drop us an email and let us know uh, if the program has been a blessing to you. We'd certainly like to hear from you. We're always looking how to best spend our stewardship dollars in terms of the ministry of radio. And so we, we'd like to know uh, how we're doing. And drop the email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. That's office at livingtruthcorona.org. Org. And just let us know who you are and if you've been listening, if the program's been a blessing to you. That would really help us out, and that would be a blessing to us just to hear from some of our radio listeners. So again, drop an email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. Thank you so much for listening and praying for us and supporting us if you can. And we uh, are very appreciative of the body of Christ and pray that the Lord will bless you and your family.